This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. Two weeks away. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Matt Bove, Sal Capaccio joining you as we get ready for the NFL draft. It's the event we talk about every single day as we get closer and closer. Sal, I think Buffalo sports fans need a little bit of a reprieve after the Sabres loss. Now that they're officially out of it, we really need to focus on the draft. We need something to be optimistic about. You know, it is good, though, that you know, the Sabres kept us going for 80 games as compared to 50 or 60 because it takes us right into the draft. Whereas I think in many years past, well, the last 12 years, essentially, um, we were talking about the NFL draft much earlier, which isn't a bad thing, but the Sabres didn't really keep our attention for long enough. In this case, this year, they did. I was thinking today, Matt, you know, the draft has become such big, big business. We know that everybody everybody's got it like this draft platform. Everybody becomes an analyst. And I think, you know, Mel Kuyper was kind of the first guy who really started that. And I'm old enough to remember the blue book that Mel Kuyper used to send out. And I subscribed to that thing when I was in high school and college, and I would get that blue book and I'd go through it. And all of a sudden, you know, now you see Mel Kuyper, then you would see Mel Kuyper on TV and then it became a little bit bigger. And then they changed the draft. And now there's so many great draft analysts. We're going to talk to one, Chris Trapasso in a little while, but it's become such a huge, huge deal for so many people who want to analyze the NFL. And I think that that's why Chris is the perfect person to join this episode of the podcast one, because obviously he can get us caught up to speed. But like we said, a lot of people were still in hockey mode, so they might not be as up on the prospects as they usually are because, hey, the Sabres were relevant going into the middle of April, which is still kind of cool. So we're going to be joined right now by Chris Trapasso from CBS Sports. Chris, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. No, thanks for having me on. I was bummed about the Sabres too. I'm, I'm here in Western New York. For those who don't know, I'm a you know, certainly a big Sabres fan, been watching since the Dominic Hasek era. But what's fun is like, and I and I think this is kind of the obvious takeaway that this is like one of the youngest teams in like the entire league. And yes. I think it's going to be so fun once it gets back to October and we get to see some maybe some new additions to this young core, especially with Devin Levi, how well he played down the stretch. So it's like bittersweet that they lost, but the fact that there's such a bright future makes it not for like, oh, another year with missing the playoffs. Like, it doesn't really feel the same. Well, yeah, it feels uh, like the first we, what you didn't know is we brought you on to talk about the NHL draft and the oh, <laughs> finishing and the, the lottery and how high they can get. They're not going to get Connor Bedard, but who knows? So brush up on your – maybe your European skaters, you okay. know, I mean, who, North American guys, whatever. You know, maybe you should make sure you brush up here. 
Okay. There's so many weird I, rules with the NHL draft too. It would be yeah. like an absolute nightmare to try and figure that out of like, oh, this guy's Canadian, so he can't play overseas, or this guy's American, right. blah, blah, blah. Chris, as we, you know, get ready for the NFL draft. So, like we said, we're two weeks away at this point. Sal and I have both said on the podcast several times, like offense all the way. But yeah. we're gonna kind of like leave that out there so people keep listening. So let's start with defense for the yep. Bills specifically. It feels like linebacker makes the most sense. Who are some names that Bills fans should be keeping an eye on if they don't go offense and they end up doing something on defense? Yeah, it's not a great linebacker class. I don't think I've been on the Jack Campbell from Iowa train, like for most of the draft season, not just because he's six, five and two forty five, like Tremaine Edmonds was, <laughs> but because he's so good in coverage already. I, I think that was the one area of Tremaine Edmonds game that it took him time to become a consistent coverage player. He always made plays, pass breakups, a few interceptions early in his career, but we also saw him get targeted by teams, running backs out of the backfield, tight ends. Um, I think Jack Campbell is already more pro-ready in coverage than Edmonds was when he was coming into the league in 2018. Beyond him, there's two other players that I think could be of interest or different than Jack Campbell. Trenton Simpson from Clemson. He's not nearly as good in coverage, didn't make as many plays on the football in college, but he's kind of that quarterback spy. He's super explosive, just more of an off-the-ball, almost slot defender where you just want to move him around on the defensive side. And then Drew Sanders from Arkansas. I'm sure a lot of your listeners have seen these names in the mock drafts over the last couple months. Drew Sanders, to me, is someone that, you don't want him sinking in coverage and are not going to expect him to have three or four interceptions and 10 pass breakups, but you can reduce him down to the line of scrimmage and let him rush as an edge rusher, which maybe that does add a little more intrigue um, to his resume as a draft prospect. So those three, I think the bills are looking at them in the first round or maybe after a trade back. Those are the three that I think have the most, I guess, instant impact ability or that the bills would maybe pick to be that, Tremaine Edmonds replacement on the defense. Yeah, I, I'm going to actually, Matt, say that I think I've warmed up a little bit more to uh, Jack Campbell and say it's not all offense. And that's because the Bills have addressed mostly offense during the free agency period, right? I mean, they really haven't attacked the defense much. And they do have a hole sitting right there in the middle of their defense. I think this comes down to, Chris, how much faith do they have in a third-round pick in Terrell Bernard? And that's a yeah. guy, a third-round pick is a pretty premium choice. That's a day-two pick. A guy like Tyrell Dodson, I think they know what he can do, but where where is this team right now and what they believe is on the roster versus bringing in a guy like Jack Campbell, who I think checks all the boxes for a guy like Sean McDermott. Yeah. And then there's that little nugget that he's been working out with Luke Keekley yeah, during the pre-draft right. process. And we know that uh, Luke Keekley usually like one or two practices a year comes up to Buffalo and hangs out with Sean McDermott and the team and Brandon Bean, like those guys that he knows so well from Carolina. The one thing about Terrell Bernard, I, I think going into this offseason and then after Tremaine Edmonds signs with the Chicago Bears, I thought, you know, there's no way that the Bills are going to roll out Terrell Bernard and Matt Milano as their two linebackers because they'd be one of the lightest boxes in the entire league at linebacker. But they've used Taron Johnson as a quasi linebacker and he's tiny. He's a nickel corner. So there is... I guess some precedent that the Bills are unafraid to use a lighter box or a lighter group of linebackers. And really, in today's NFL, yes, teams obviously still run the football. They're still pulling guards. They're still 220-plus pound running backs. But in general, I think it, it's probably better if both of your linebackers are 
around the 220, 230 pound range, as opposed to, you know, having Brandon spikes back there um, at one of the linebacker spots. So there could be maybe, uh, you know, an idea that it's better to be more athletic and to prioritize that style, as opposed to just wanting to pick a linebacker because he's really big. So that would kind of be the um, argument for, Hey, maybe they'll just not address linebacker or do it later in the draft because they did, like you said, Sal, spend a pretty premium pick on a linebacker last year. Jack Campbell, so he's huge. So he's working out with Luke Keekley, but I just checked. He did not wrestle in high school. He played basketball. <laughs> no, he so that might take him off of the Bills draft board because he wasn't a wrestler. Chris, is it too early to take him in the first round? Because that's one of the things that I've seen is maybe he might be the best linebacker in the class for what the Bills are looking for, but that doesn't mean he should be a first round pick. So this idea with Jack Campbell is kind of what I run into a lot as a draft analyst because I have him graded as my number 22 overall player. So I don't think it would be too early, but, and I think the bills might have to kind of wrestle with this too. And there's certainly pun intended there like that. Um, that. How does the rest of the league view him? Could they trade back out of the first round and still get him in the early to mid thirties? Could they maybe even pick him in the second round? I've seen a lot of mock drafts that have him there at 59 overall. So um, how the rest of the league views him versus how the Bills view him might be totally different. And I agree, it does kind of feel like the league isn't quite as high on Jack Campbell as, you know, picking him at number 27 overall. It only takes one, as we know, right? It only takes exactly. one to fall in love. It doesn't matter where it is. We always see teams, oh, I can't believe that guy got drafted in that spot. And Cole I strange. There you go. That's right. And I want to be clear with our listeners. When we talk about linebacker, we're talking off ball linebacker. We're talking yes. middle linebacker. You know, one, one area I want to remind everybody when Tremaine Edmonds left, there was this thought that Matt Milano could go to the mic. Ugh. That is not happening. We've asked, no. we've asked the bills yeah, are not moving. Matt Milano. He is a will linebacker. So there, if they do anything, he is staying there. They're drafting a mic. And then they went out and signed Taylor Rapp, which I think guys plays into this. But Taylor Rapp is a guy mm. who played all three levels of safety. Maybe there's some sort of hybrid defense that Sean McDermott wants to run, given what you said, Chris, which is right about Taron Johnson in the slot. You could use Taylor Rapp there, too. You could use him as a linebacker. I'm super interested in what the philosophy is of Sean McDermott on this defense next year. Yeah, I just wonder if there is some type of evolution. I kind of was hinting at it earlier that, again, I because they've had Tremaine Edmonds, who is so big, he's like the biggest middle linebacker in the league, that mm -hmm. there's a thought, and for 100 years in the NFL, you need to have this one bruising, big, downhill linebacker. When you're facing the Chiefs or even the Bengals, do you necessarily need or maybe even want that? Or do you want Matt Milano, Taron Johnson, Taylor Rapp, and Terrell Bernard across the second line of your defense? Smaller, athletic, can cover. So there may be room for this new philosophy, again, an evolution that the Bills aren't going to try to go with size and downhill ability at the linebacker spot because they know what they have to contend with even in their own conference with those other top teams. Yeah. I was just thinking about Miami. It's like, you don't really need exactly. one of those big bruising linebackers no, for a team that's got Taylor or you'd excuse me, Jalen Waddle and Tyree kill and et cetera, et cetera. So Chris, we just talked about the linebackers specific, you know, the middle linebackers, but defensive line seems like it's probably the only other logical place where the bills could be taking somebody. If they select somebody on defense, I guess maybe they could take a safety, but that seems like it would probably be too early in the first round. Are there any defensive linemen kind of specifically in that second part of the first round who you think would be a really good fit for the bills? I don't. And I think uh, it's, just my opinion, you could probably have another draft analyst on who could give you a few names. I mean, I could tell you Mozzie Smith from Michigan 
is this really wide, really athletic nose tackle. He is not just a space eater. Um, he can get up the field a little bit. I, I know that they don't have a defensive tackle signed past 2023, and I do think that will play into the Bills' draft plans, but maybe later in the draft. It doesn't feel like a huge need. It doesn't feel like a position that really moves the needle that you want to spend even a first or a second round pick on. Mozzie Smith and Brian Breezy from Clemson are the two guys that I've kind of circled as, hey, if the board doesn't fall in a specific way or a bunch of the receivers are gone and Jack Campbell's gone or they don't love Jack Campbell or that idea, they could go with one of those two players that feel like mid to late or mid to late 20s is probably where they'll ultimately be selected. And the one thing I'll say with Brian Breezy, if you look back at mock drafts, and I think the mock draft that they forced me to do right after the draft last year, um, like the way too early mock drafts, Brian Breezy was like a top 10 pick across the board because he was a big recruit. Uh, he's like 6'5", 290, 295, can play any position, very athletic, just had injuries at Clemson. But when he's healthy, he can really wreak havoc from all the defensive line spots. Yeah, a couple points before we wrap up this segment with Chris, and then we'll focus on the offense. I want to go back to your point about Miami guys a little while ago. It's right. Miami's not that type of offense. But you know my, what Miami did was they're the team that stands out to me that they pulled Matt Milano out of the box with motion and got – Taron Johnson in the box and took advantage of that, right? So I think yeah. the Bills took – remember that first game, who was it that ran all over the Bills for the Dolphins, right, and, and the first time they played, and that's what they did. And I think the Bills see that, and that's why maybe we could see a, a philosophy change. The other thing is on the D-line, as you said, Matt. Chris, I agree. It's not a great class, right? And, you know, the, you, you look at this group, and the Bills, if you look at their numbers, every single one of their D-linemen basically interior guys. is not a one-year deal. Mm -hmm. um, Ed mm -hmm. Oliver's playing on his fifth-year option. Daquan Jones, Tim Settle, they just re-signed Jordan Phillips. I suspect, guys, there's going to be an overhaul of the D-line a year from now. I don't think it has to happen this year. I think they're probably comfortable with what okay. they have, maybe adding a little bit of depth right there, you know what I mean? So it's going to be really interesting. All right, let's uh, let's let's focus on the offense. Chris Trapasso, CBS Sports Draft Analyst, and it's always game day in Buffalo. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 